Living with Cancer is a non-profit organization that was created initially for the purpose of serving as a support group, with the primary aim of connecting individuals who have been diagnosed with cancer. The aim was to provide a platform for these individuals to share their experiences, ask each other questions and give them an opportunity to engage with individuals experiencing the same challenges that they may be dealing with. The support group is open to all individuals at different stages of their cancer journey as well as different types of cancer. The support group seeks to create a network to connect the cancer community with each other. Good morning and welcome to the Living with Cancer podcast series. This is episode number 21 and this morning we have our cancer warrior Colin Hall with us. Morning Colin, welcome. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Colin, to hear your voice, Colinda. Thank you. So Colin, what I'd really love you to do is just tell us a little bit about yourself and your cancer journey, please. Okay, I was washing myself and feeling in my groin and I found a lump three years ago. So I was, but I went to see the GP and he said, we need to have you tested. And the diagnosis was lymphoma. So that's three years ago, plus a month. So, so, so Colin, um, talk us through what happened. So you find this lump and then what happens? You go to the doc and then, and then what happens? Um, you know, what did the doctor say? What did they do? What was the next steps? Okay, well, inevitably, sorry, let me go back a step. I have not had any experience of cancer personally, nor in my family. <clears throat> so it was a complete shock to me and a surprise, and I didn't know what to expect or how to deal with it. So I started to ask people questions, and that's an interesting experience. What did you do? What would you recommend? And so on. And the answers ranged from get on your knees and hand the whole job to Jesus through to mm. come to America where the oncology is the world's best and everything in between, including green juice and Pilates. Mm. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I'll never be able to do all of those things, but let me strategize like the businessman that I am. What would my strategy be? And I came to the conclusion that there were three critical issues. The first was to find an oncologist that I trusted. The second was to engage all my friends with all their loving advice and say, you're in my team. Okay, I'm not sure I can follow everything that you told me, but will you do it for me? <laughs> mm -hmm. Will you love me through this exercise? Will you send me your energy? And I'll come to energy a bit later. And um, their response was remarkable. It was really wonderful. Um, they cared. And then the third thing I did was take responsibility myself for making sure that my whole approach was positive. I mm. call that positive energy. I believe mm. implicitly that when your cells, whichever cells you're talking about, are given f lots of energy, they, they perform at their best. But if you starve them of energy and you get miserable and depressed and worried and anxious, they underperform, and that's particularly crucial when it comes to white blood cells fighting cancer cells. So my strategy emerged. Find the oncologist, put your team together and tell them to love you all the way, and get on with making yourself as positive as you possibly can. That was my strategy. I, I relied on my GP to choose the oncologist, and he chose the right one. 
my team never failed me and my own energy is what I'd like to share with your audience. So, so before you get to the energy part, so you, 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 you go to the doctor and then talk me through when you were told that you've got cancer. Um, we often, as cancer warriors, we quickly skip over that and tell how we've recovered and share how we've done so well and how who we are now. But, but the real story in, in what we go through really quickly is actually from the moment you get told you've got cancer. What, what happened there? Well, first of all, it was a complete surprise. And I suppose you'd have to call it a shock. But I, I regarded it as one of those things that happens in life and you've got to find a way to deal with it. It didn't throw me into deep depression or anxiety. I'm not that sort of person, though. So I was lucky. And, and the reaction of your family? You can imagine that they think they need to say caring and sympathetic things to you. And that's lovely to hear. But I was looking for their support rather than for their sympathy. Mm. I think a very important word there, support and not sympathy. Um, the, 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 what we pick up on is the fear in their eyes. And you didn't want to see that. You wanted, to, you wanted them to, to have hope immediately. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, so then what happened? So you get diagnosed and what was your treatment regime? Okay. It was six sessions of um, chemo to be six sessions of chemo at okay. three weekly intervals. Okay. And, and how did your body react to that? What happened? I was surprised at how it didn't react. I went oh. in for, for my treatment in the morning. Uh, I let my team know that I was going in for treatment and told them they can look after me for the day because I was going to be sleeping. <laughs> put me, they put that stuff in me and told me that I could sleep, which I did. Had a very, very peaceful day. It was amazing. And um, talk to me about this team that you had. It sounds as though you had a wonderful team. Yeah, it was a wonderful team. And um, it remained a wonderful team throughout the whole process. And it consisted of family and friends and associates and people who I knew would love me as much as I love them. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Um, and where are you now? So you had the six treatments and then what happened? Okay, so I had the first two. And after the second one, my oncologist, who's a shy man, said to me quietly, I think if I was a betting man, I would bet that you are in remission already. Wow. But we're not going to stop because when you fight cancer, you don't fight to win on points. You knock them out. I said, out? You mean knock him on the floor? He said, no, out of the ring. <laughs> and I can <laughs> tell you a story about that if you've got time. But Love I, to hear it. Please share yeah. it. Well, I said to him, I've got an experience to share with you. In the 70s, I went to Monaco with a, an incredible man called Sol Kersner, who mm. had sponsored a, a boxer called Kerry Kutsia to fight for the world championship. 
And um, we went to Monaco and we watched it, and it was extraordinary because his opposition was a man called Michael Spinks, and um, the difference between the two of them was extraordinary. Michael Spinks came bouncing in, Ferry came sloping in, and Ferry begged us to pray for him, and I told Sol that he'd lost his money, <laughs> and the fight was a non-fight until Spinks, who was a black American, spat in Ferry's face. And Harry's instinct just got the better of him. His arm went right back and he knocked Spinks right out of the ring at the floor of Sol Kersner. And um, Sol Kersner was kicking him to make sure he wouldn't go back into the ring. And, Sol, and Spinks's mother was kicking Sol and it was amazing. <laughs> but I said to my oncologist, when you put that injection into my, my arm, that tube, just remind me about Michael Spinks. <laughs> so I, I had a big smile on my face when we, we went for the third, fourth, fifth and sixth but long before the third, fourth, fifth and sixth I was sure that I was winning okay, okay so you had a positive insight I used to call my chemo healing juice yeah well you would know better than me maybe but I developed what I call a 10-minute battery charger. And okay. every day I apply my 10-minute battery charger. I'd still do, but I was using it particularly to beat the hell out of cancer. But more important, to excite my white blood cells because I'm convinced that when your energy is high, your cells, all of them, all 10 trillion, including your white blood cells, work their best. If you go miserable and down and depressed, you don't give your white blood cells a chance to recover. They need to be strong. And I started to tell stories. I was alone in my cottage um, and I would think I would write down three names of people who were in my team and talk to myself about the relationship and the things we'd done together. And then I thought, you know what? I want to share these stories with my white blood cells. <laughs> oh wow so I sat in my little sunroom in the big easy chair with a big easy chair next to me I invited all my white blood cells up at lunchtime and told them <laughs> stories happy stories about these people in the team and then oh, wow. they, they saw the sun for the first time and then at 2 o'clock I kicked them out and told them to go back to work <laughs> oh wow That's but I really do believe that we have a responsibility to what we call charge our own battery. That you can't rely on anybody else to do it for you. They can help you, but it's your responsibility. And I developed this battery charger to make sure that on a daily basis, my energy was as high as I could possibly get it. Wow. And... Okay, so you've had your treatment, um, and after two sessions, your oncologist was was basically saying you you're in remission, but we're finishing the treatment. Um, and talk to us a little bit. I mean, did you lose weight? Was there absolutely no sign that you had chemo? Were you tired? What what were some What were some of your symptoms? You know, to be perfectly honest, I had none. Wow. I wasn't, I wasn't tired. I wasn't fluey. I wasn't, uh, no, I had no pain, no discomfort. Um, 
I was, I felt good. Wow. Okay. Um, but I not only felt good, but I was positive. You know, my energy okay. was high. I was living my life fully. And and from the from the time you were diagnosed to the time you finished treatment, what was that on average? What was that time frame? Well, it was six times three, eighteen weeks. Eighteen weeks. Yeah. And and when when were you diagnosed? What year? In three three years ago, so that was twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. So yeah. smack bang COVID. Yeah, just before COVID. Okay. It was in Just January COVID. and COVID was in March. Okay. So you were you were still going through some of your treatment during COVID? Yeah. And and how was that? It, <laughs> you could say it was a nuisance because you had to give up a Monday every three weeks. And you had to give <laughs> up a, a, a few minutes halfway through in, after 10 days. But I so liked the staff at the Constantia Berg, and I so liked the, the, the experience of my own determination to beat the hell out of it. But they were, they were good, week, good weeks, good days and good weeks. And I can remember arriving at the waiting room, and there were other people who maybe are in worse condition than I was or in pain or whatever, but they were all sitting with their heads drooping. And I'd walk in and say, good morning. And you could see them saying, it's not a bloody good morning. <laughs> but, but again, your, your energy, your energy levels, your attitude. Um, I think you decided that it was good morning. Regardless. Yeah, right. Can I make you a cup of coffee? No. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and tell me, Colin, uh, so you're in total remission now? Yeah, I've been through a couple of interesting tests. There's a, a new and very comprehensive test that they told me about at the Panorama Clinic in Cape Town. And I went to have that, and I came clear out of that. And I've been clear, clear, clear out of all of them since. In fact, my white blood cell count is higher than they've ever seen in an 80-year-old. Mm. Okay, and so what's changed? I'm sorry, and mm. the speed of the recovery, you know, after 10 days, you're going, to have the, you're going to have a test to see whether your white blood cells have survived the chemo. Mm. And if, if they don't, then you have to do some different things. But mine just bounced back. So what's changed about your life since you were diagnosed and now? What are you doing differently? I'm, I'm interesting. <clears throat> Some months before, a friend of mine gave me um, Bill Bryson's book called The Body. Mm. And I love Bill Bryson because he writes with a sense of humor and he writes like a learner, not like an expert. And I discovered the magic of the human body. I became aware of the absolute miracle of the human body, how it works, how it connects, how it manages, how it in, copes with the environment. And so I've become very conscious of my body and how it works, but not to the extent that I'm in the gym every day or I'm doing Pilates every morning or I'm only eating raw carrots. <clears throat> I'm just 
I'm just aware of being sensible. And, okay. th- and every day making sure that my energy is high. And what do you do to make your, besides this, which appears to be a very positive frame of mind, what, um, what, what are you doing to, you know, to keep you in a, a good, strong state of high energy? Okay. I, my son and I teach energy oh. to corporates and to schools. But fundamentally, what we're saying is that your energy comes from your behavior in relationships. Now, the first and most important relationship is the relationship between yourself and your ego. When you, when you find balance in that relationship and you're not allowing your ego to dominate your behavior, you do things better. You spend more time in positive activities and rather than in negative, positive thinking rather than in negative thinking. The ego is a, is a dangerous travel mate and you need to keep it as quiet as you can and then it's relationships with others and the relationship with the place we live in the planet we live in so i'm i'm consciously um and aware every day of gratefully aware every day of the world the planet the people my team um and magic yeah can you give us an example of uh, you, you, the difference between, you know, the the ego, and so I I really I I see it as the almost like the the head and the heart, uh, because the head is the ego part that keeps you busy, and the heart is the feeling part. But is this what you're talking about? Um, can you give us an example, perhaps? Um. No, I don't see it quite the same way. I think that your ego and your head, the way you think, are constantly in discussion with one another. I see some, a beautiful girl and an ego starts to say to me, you should want to make love to her. And it's not that at all. It's just that she's beautiful. And, or I see a situation and I say, that's a bad person because my ego tells me that's bad. So my ego is giving me messages that are different to the messages that I really have in myself. Um, I see the uh, world as, as a world in which there are many versions of the truth. And I listen. I used to see the world, the ego world, as I'm right and you wrong. Ah, okay. So the learned behavior of, of your perceptions, I get that. Yeah. So another example that. of that is my ego tells me, Colin, you've got to be the best in the world. You've got to be the top. Uh, you've got to be better than that Belinda woman. Okay? Mm. <laughs> and mm. then the real me says to me, you can't be better than Belinda because Belinda is different to you. She's unique and so am I. We can only be better together. <laughs> got it. Got it. Yeah. Totally understand. Some, yeah. So my ego used to be much more powerful. It's much less powerful now. And it always used to tell me what I should do and shouldn't do. Instead of me knowing what I am and what I want to do and what I do best. So tell me, Colin, do you think there was something in particular that triggered your cancer? I've thought about that a lot. 
I got divorced sometime before that. And I think that that upset my, my energy levels. My ego got on top of me, of course, and blamed her um, for the breakdown. And I was lonely. And so I think I was vulnerable. Mm. So you had some kind of trauma in your life that maybe ignited. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And instead of dealing with it positively, I was wallowing a bit. And maybe angry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. And feeling sorry for myself. Mm. So if you had to do this cancer journey differently, what would you, how would you go about that? Or would you keep it exactly the same? It was interesting because after I, when I told one of my team that I had cancer, she said, oh, there's a book you must read. It's called, um, just let me remember it. It's called Radical Remission by a lady called Kelly Turner. <clears throat> so I ordered it, but it only actually arrived after my sixth treatment because of COVID. But I, I've read in it a lot of really interesting stuff. She has a comprehensive uh, summing up or analysis of a whole host of radical remissions, case studies, and what people did. And mm. I think you could probably say there were 10 points that she made, including health and diet and spiritual and so on. A holistic approach to your own energy. So that you became a part of the team rather than the victim. And the I, I, I think that's a very important distinction is coming from my own journey, owning my own, my journey, owning my treatment, my team, pulling everybody together, um, opposed to just almost playing the victim. And I think that's where the shift in the positive outlook with positive energy, I think that's where it happens is when you say, okay, I've got a plan. How am I going to go about this? Opposed to, oh my God, I'm, you know, I've just been diagnosed. It's a death sentence. I'm going to die. Yeah. You put it well, Belinda. I agree with that. If you look at your life now and you you look at the, the journey that you've been on, the fact that you had trauma in your life and someone someone you knew just got, got diagnosed, what guidance or wisdom would you give them? What would you share with them? I think essentially this exactly the same. I was lucky to tumble on a, on a combination of things that work. I, you obviously need to trust your oncologist. And that's difficult to define trust. We trust people differently. But if you're not comfortable with an oncologist, I guess you have to make a change. The second thing is I think that you can't do it without support. It's wonderful to have support in whatever form you define support. And it's fantastic. Not fantastic. It's compulsory that you take the key role in addressing the issue, that you say to the cancer cells, Blow you, I'm on top now. I'm going to make sure you don't beat me. Mm. I loved what you said earlier about asking for help and allowing the people to love you, love you. Because often when our loved ones see us in pain, they don't quite know how to react. And mm. 
you when you allow them to love you and help you, you actually and love. helping them. And mm, laugh, love. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Lovely. We had a lot of real incredible laughs. <laughs> mm. I think really, really, I, I think that's a lovely, a lovely outlook as well is, is about laughing um, because laughing also ignites that positive in, uh, energy, right? Yeah. 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 You, you believe it does. I mean, when you, even when you arrive at a Constantia Burr clinic, you can be as miserable as hell if you want to be <laughs> just looking at the people there. But you can greet and meet and laugh and and do all yeah. sorts of little things that make you feel better. <laughs> Is there anything that you do do now that you never did before since you got diagnosed? Yeah, the the concept of a ten minute battery charger is now a habit. Okay. Okay. That I use because I. I believe that every one of your 10 trillion cells, whether they're digestive cells or brain cells or white cells, white blood cells, crave energy. So I say to them, well, I'll give you as much as I can every day. And I've got a lovely companion. And between the two of us, we do that exercise together, which is magic. Wonderful. And so just to wrap up, Colin, if you look at the journey that you've been on, you look at what you've been through, your outlook now. Is there anything else that you would like to share um, with the listeners about about your journey or if you've just been diagnosed, is there anything else you'd like you'd like to share? The 10 minute battery charger. <laughs> if we could okay. find a way to I could write it it's written on a page. If I could find a way I'd send it to you. And I can. I mean, I can easily send it to you. I think that would be lovely. And then we'll definitely share it. So thank mm. you. Thank you for that. That's a, that's a joy. Colin, thank you for being brave to share your journey with us. It is amazing to speak to someone who sounds as though you are full of life um, and living it to its fullest. So cancer is definitely not a dead sentence. Um and it's just wonderful to hear the, the positive and almost living voice um, when speaking to you. So thank you for that. Thank you for giving other people hope. Well, thank you for creating the opportunity. I, I, more than anything else, I want to share with people the fact that it isn't as bad as it sounds if you take it the way you positively can. Thank you, Colin, and have a good day further. Bless you, Belinda. Thank you.